This is the final whistle on Ocean FM. All-Ireland soccer celebrations for St. Clair's Comprehensive School in Manor Hamilton. Their FAI School Senior Cup is in studio tonight, along with some of the players. The little ad campaign to attract more fans to women's National League games has generated much discussion on this station this week. Why don't more GAA fans support their female county teams? We'll bring you a flavour of what our listeners think. New Sligo senior hurling boss Stephen Shield joins us ahead of the start of the Allianz league this weekend and a new county Sligo development plan for rugby was launched this week we'll be finding out what's in it with Ross Mannion And you're welcome to the programme. This is Austin O'Callaghan and here are the contact details. If you want to get in touch by WhatsApp and by text, it's 083 3500 by email sports at oceanfm.ie and by X or Twitter or whatever you call it at Ocean FM Sport will find us. We're going to start with a bit of music. I took a stroll down the old long walk on the day I, 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 I met a little girl and we stopped to top on a grand stop day I, And I asked you, friend, what's a fella to do? Because her hair was black and her eyes were blue I know it's not a Leitrim song, but there was a Leitrim soccer team who've been singing that quite a bit, whether it's on the team bus or in the players' dressing room from time to time during the All-Ireland FAI Schoolgirls Soccer Cup season, which ended in spectacular fashion yesterday for St. Clair's Comprehensive School in Manor Hamilton, when they beat Kalosh the Wirra from Askeaton of Limerick in the National Senior Cup Final in Athlone by three goals to one. Onya McLaughlin, Megan Rooney and the team captain Lauren Devaney scoring the goals yesterday. And we have three of the players and their coach in studio with us here tonight in a 4-4-2 formation, I think it's fair to say. Uh, along with them is a fifth member of the team. Lauren, do you want to give it a little tap there? Yeah, that's the shiny bit. That's the bit we wanted to see. That is the cup which belongs to St. Clair's Comprehensive. So we have Anthony MacDonald, the head coach. We have Anna Devaney. We have Amy Malone. And we have the team captain, Lauren Devaney. Did you get much sleep last night, Lauren? Uh, no, I think the adrenaline was still coursing through my blood to say I nearly got as little as the night before. Um, it was just an, a high, like I had a smile plastered all over my face yesterday and it's still on it today, hasn't left it yet. It was just such an experience. By lucky chance, not by design, school was closed today because there was a teacher training day for your, your teachers. So you, you got a bit of a lie-in. Yeah, I know. It was a great job, to be honest. If there was ever a day to be off, you know, today was the one. It was lovely to have a, a sleep in and just wake up and take it all in, you know, All-Ireland Champions. As captain and as a member of this team, did you wake up this morning and wonder, did I dream that? Was it real? Or, or, or did you believe it straight away? Oh, I suppose I woke up and I, you know, went downstairs and the cup was still sitting there on the table. So I was like, <laughs> it must have happened, you know. It wasn't a mirage. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anna, how did you celebrate last night? Oh, it was a bit surreal, I suppose, when we got back to town last night. We were will, will you describe the scene when you got when the team bus came into Manor Hamilton? What way you came in and what you saw? 
Yeah, we were met with um, the fire brigade and, you know, a guard car escorted us around the town. Um, there was a bonfire um, and then, you know, teachers welcomed us back to school last night and it was, it was just amazing. So you went back to Clare, St Clare's, Amy, did you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we all went back there and, you know, it was lovely, like, all the parents and us, like, you, just, you know, all meeting together and we're all... You know, it was just... Yeah, because normally, I'm sure you guys can't wait to get out of school during normal days, but last night was a nice night to go back in the evening time. Yeah, no, it was funny coming back in at night, but no, yeah, it was lovely going back in and just, you know, meeting all the parents and seeing all our supporters there, like, it was really just... It nearly hit me then that, like, you know, we'd won. Right. Were there speeches? Was there singing, Lauren? Oh, there was a bit of everything, you know. We got off the... The fire truck and there was a bit of a, a sing a sing in the car park first, you know. The parents were there for a while and then they got fed up of us and they went down. So <laughs> we were still um, still on a high. But yeah, no, we eventually made it inside and then, you know, a few words were said and just kind of summed up the day, you know, and how amazing it was. Well, it certainly was amazing for uh, a school from Leitrim. To win any title is terrific, but to win an All-Ireland all soccer title, I think that's the first for St. Clair's Manor Hamilton at senior level, is it? Yeah, I think that was the, the first time in soccer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the match itself, we'll bring in we'll bring in the coach in a moment. Get his analysis in a, in a couple of moments. But tell us about the day yesterday. You know, getting up in the morning, going to Athlone. Are you guys, Are you a team that suffers from nerves, or have you ways of dealing with that when you meet on the morning of a big game? Get on the bus, get your gear sorted, etc. I think, yeah, I suppose we are, you know, individually, I suppose we all have a bit of nerves ourselves, which is only natural, but, you know, as someone once said to me, nerves only mean that you care, so I try to tell the girls that, you know, that it was natural and that just we'll all, you know, we had the speaker on on the way up in the bus and everything was just relaxed, you know, we were in good time and, you know, everything was just running smoothly, so I suppose that helped, you know, calm them down. One of the captain's responsibilities, I gather, is to pick the music for the team bus. You're MC Devani, are you? Well, some might say my taste is um, a bit questionable, but I like to think that I'm I'm not too bad. I'm all right. I, I do you pick music to kind of that you think will get the, the girls going, or or what, yeah, what's your criteria? Myself, I'm a bit all over the shop. I add a bit of anything, but when I'm with the girls, I try to keep it, you know, all on the one line. So. Yeah. yeah, okay. So when you rolled into Athlone then you get off, you get a look at the pitch. It's a lovely arena in a, in Athlone. Some of you probably have played there before, so it's not entirely alien to you guys. But what's it like getting ready when you're in the dressing room in the moments before you walk out the players' tunnel? Look, it was so special yesterday. Um, all the girls were there together and, you know, we were kind of trying to take it all in. We knew that they don't come around that often. So it was so special. There was, of course, a few nerves going around as well. But um, we were just so excited to get out. And when we did get out then, there was such a, a cheer from um, the crowd. So it was, it was so special. Yeah, I'm guessing, Amy, people prepare in different ways. Some of you are vocal and noisy and you're geeing each other up. Others are quieter, more reserved. Everyone has their own way of focusing in on the game do they? Yeah no that's very true I'd have to say now I'm one of the more quieter ones oh, yeah. getting so ready for the game I just I sort of into the zone. all in and yeah. I just try to get into the zone I you know I'd be ve- I'm, to be fair I'm very nervous when I first walked out and heard all the crowd I was just like I was nearly shaking but Anna here beside me really helped me too like she well, was there you know Was that the biggest occasion you've been part of in terms of playing in a match? Yeah no it was probably the, one of the biggest days of I ever played in football like is really okay okay so you got out there it was a pretty 
awful day yesterday, guys. Well, certainly down in Sligo and Leitrim. I'm not sure maybe in Athlone it wasn't as bad, but it was pretty wet for a good portion of the day. It was awful. Well, you know, it was really hard to play against. The wind was, yeah. it was so tough. Do you know what I mean? Like we said, going out, will we take the chance and play with the wind or against the wind? And, you know, we ended up playing against the wind in the first half and it was just, you know, it was trying to hold out to half time was the biggest job. Do you know what I mean? Trying to not let the, not get caught over the top or just silly balls. Do you know what I mean? It was, right. it was just hard to judge anything that came your way. Well, just before we get into the game, let's bring in the head coach, Mr. McDonald, or I call you Antor Anthony, or uh, maybe they've got a nickname for you, have you girls? Is there a broadcastable one we can share? Maybe not. Uh, what were your last words to them going out the tunnel, before they went out the tunnel? Um, I just said to them, look, they've, they've set the standards themselves for the team. Um, I firmly believed going into the game I didn't say it to too many people because obviously you don't know what the team you're going to be playing is like you're basing on results Twitter you know that's your kind of your your go-to to get kind of any information on a team but I, I knew the quality that we have in the dressing room um, to be honest with you after the Connacht final when we got through that I actually thought you know if there's any team that can really come and match us in terms of the football and ability because Throughout the group stages, the quarter, semis, final, I I thought you know we were gradually building, building, getting better all the time. Albeit the Connacht final went to penalties, I thought we were the better footballing team. We just couldn't break them down. We just lacked that wee bit of you know cutting edge, maybe in front of goal. But once we got through that, I knew when we were coming into that final that if we played as well as we could, and that's what I said to them, if they matched the other team a hundred percent attitude wise, effort wise that we, we will come out the side of a good result. And that's what I was saying to them. Like, like they're on about nerves and stuff like that. I said, of course you've got nerves. Nerves you mean you care about it. But I said, the first thing you do is that first ball, that first 50-50 ball, go and win it. Your nerves are gone. Then you're in, you're, you're in the game. Bring yourself into the game yourself. Make a run, make a tackle, track back. And when you do that, all of a sudden, the noise around, the weather conditions, all them kind of disappear. And to be fair to the girls, that's exactly what they've done. And you got the perfect start, girls. Enter Anya McLaughlin to put you in front. Who 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 remembers that goal? Oh God, it's one that I don't think we'll ever forget. It was it was a bit of a surreal moment. I mean, when Anya got that goal in the first two three minutes, um, I couldn't believe it. That it was just it was class. It really uh, started us off nicely. A perfect start. Was it? Yeah. And, and when they equalised, you weren't unduly rocked by that, were you? Well, no, I suppose. You know, it was kind of one of those, it was an annoying one to go in, but at the same time, we had played a lot of good football throughout the first half, you know, even being against the wind, that we weren't in panic mode yet or anything. We, know, we knew coming up to half time that we still had the second half, that we just needed to reset and that it would come. It was just going to take patience and to make sure that we didn't get panic or let it go. Yeah, you weren't unduly bothered, uh, Gaffer, were you? Uh, no, to be honest with you, I, I thought we played really well in the first half. I thought we controlled most of the first half, even And you were into the teeth of the wind, we should Yeah, absolutely, emphasize. and it was a gale force wind, like it was blowing right down the pitch. But the one thing I said to the girls, I go, playing against the wind sometimes suits a footballing team, because if you don't put that ball up in the air, generally speaking, you can actually control the game to some extent. Obviously, you can't control what they do with the ball, and the first goal came from that. Got the ball down, got it out wide to Megan Rooney. Ball into Emerkini's feet. We flick inside, and on you came in off the wing. A lovely wee finish. Like it was all. It was really nice football. Um, 
I thought in the first half, albeit we were under pressure at times with their wing conditions, we 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 kind of limited them to very few chances. They got that last we you know free kick at the end, and obviously there's always danger with it. It was in the back of my head. I go after controlling the game for thirty five minutes. I said to myself, this 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 could go in. Obviously, we we won the header, ball broke, hits hits the back of the net. But I was still reasonably happy going in. Um, obviously, 1-0 would have been nicer. But against that wind, at the start of the game, I would say that wind's worth one or two goals, uh, at least. So, no, I was I was happy going in. I was reasonably confident. Amy, what do you remember about Megan Rooney's goal? Uh, I just couldn't believe it when she scored, to be honest. It was just, you know, it just really boosted us, I think, when we got that second goal. You know, we... To put it like we felt like we definitely had, we were definitely, how to put it like we definitely had a better chance now. Like we, we were, I don't know how to say. Yeah, no, I, I know. It was a pretty special goal, I gather. She chipped the keeper, is that yeah, right? Yeah, she loved the keeper. Like it was unreal. I was talking to her afterwards. She she couldn't believe it herself that she did it. Like it was it was unreal goal to be fair. Yeah, and I mean playing on the the, the Athlone pitch, Anna is an artificial surface that didn't bother you guys on Julie you've been training on an artificial pitch so that you'd be used to a final on an occasion and a surface like this yeah, um, look, I think as a team and a collective, we love the, the Astros. Um, our semi-final was actually fixed to a grass pitch, but look, when it when it got moved then to the Astro, we were delighted. I think we're a really good football inside. There's a lot of skill the whole way from the, the full-backs to the forward, and I think the Astro probably suits us a bit better than the grass. So, yeah, uh, we, we loved playing in that loan. It's lovely facilities, and it's great. So was there a moment in the game where you felt, said to yourselves privately, yeah, this is going to be our day? Was that the moment, Megan Rooney's goal, or did that come later? I suppose when Lauren put it in, um, in the last couple of minutes, I think we went over each other and we were just like, oh my God, this is it. I think we have it. We have it now. Um, Megan's goal, you know, it put us ahead, but, you know, one goal lead, there's nothing really there guaranteed but I think when we got the, the second goal it was sealed the deal for us. Yeah. Now you're all too young to remember Diego Maradona dribbling through the England defence at the World Cup in 1986 in Mexico beating three or four defenders but I'm told Lauren Devaney your goal was a 2024 version of that. Is this true? Oh I don't know about that. That might flatter me a bit too much but um, from what I remember anyway I don't think it was too bad now. I, I genuinely, I only remember bits and pieces. It was coming back to me yesterday and this morning. It was just the adrenaline, but, you know, I had one or two shots earlier. I had a header in the early in the second half that just went to the right of the post, and I just, you know, I could, I could, I wasn't sure if it was going to be my day or not, but I, I didn't care, you know, who scored the goals or whose name was on the score sheet as long as we won, and I suppose it was just a plus that it was me in the end. Coach, give us a touchline perspective of these two second half goals. Um, I suppose when when Megan's goal went in, we were we were we were in control for fifteen twenty minutes. We had some half chances. Their keeper made one or two saves. Grace had a good shot. Went by the bottom corner, and you're thinking, are we are we going to get one here? We're we're doing everything right. We're just not hitting the net. So when Megan got the goal, was that wee bit of relief? I suppose set in because I knew if we if, if we got one, 
I was confident then that we should be able to see it out. And for Megan herself, I, I was delighted for her because she missed the All-Ireland semi-final with an injury and she just made it back in time. So it was nice. She she was annoyed missing that uh, semi-final. I know, I, I know what she's like. So to make it back and to score a crucial goal was brilliant. I suppose for Lauren's goal, I think she's underselling herself a wee bit there. I thought it was an exceptional goal. Um, she'd one wee roll, she rolled a tackle um, she loved a bit of footwork and it was a fantastic finish like as good as a goal as you'll see and to do it at that level at that stage you know in a, in a game is massive but the three goals really really good footballing goals and that's I suppose sometimes in finals you know you don't care how you do it but to get three really really good goals um, is the icing on the cake as well So when the final whistle goes in an All-Ireland soccer final like that girls what are the emotions what's going through your minds? Oh, it was such a surreal moment. I don't think it kind of hit until we woke up this morning and, you know, we were like, oh my God, I think we are All-Ireland champions. But in, in, when the final whistle went, it was just, it was crazy. It was class. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, disbelief would be the wrong word, but it was just like, it was amazing. Like, you know, all the supporters that we had, like the cheer from them, like the absolute, like, you know, you turned around, like there was girls running at your left, right and, right and centre. It was just amazing like you know that that's even underselling it but amazing is just the word I would use to describe that moment you know Amy yeah I know I was just so sorry like I just couldn't believe it to be honest when the whistle went I was like really is this happening like it was unreal and like all the crowd on the pitch afterwards like everyone was hugging you you didn't know who was hugging you like it was just unreal you see, uh, pe- lots of people were saying, and we got messages in here yesterday, isn't it great for this little Leitrim school to win an Ireland title? I don't regard St. Clair's in a sporting sense as a little school. Not in my time at Ocean FM. You've been prominent in a lot of competitions, whether it's Gaelic football, soccer, a, a couple of good runners, athletics, different other sporting codes and individual disciplines as well. Like, you know, there seems to be a good generation of sporting talent in your neck of the woods these days? I suppose, yeah, like, that all comes down to our our, our grassroots cl- clubs, you know what I mean? Like, um, in St Clair's, we have a lot of kind of clubs coming together. You know, we've all the way from Black Lion, um, Glenfarren, Manor, you know, we've Drum hair and then a few Drum Kieran people occasionally. But I suppose, like, the work being put in at those younger age groups in both Gaelic, soccer, athletics, you know, it's really the foundations that set, you know, to build up these players so that when they do get into secondary school, you know what I mean? Like they're there, we're able to combine all together and, you know, form a, a team like our, like yesterday. What do you think, girls, it means for the first years and the second years in St. Clair's to see you guys winning a National Cup final like this? Oh, look, I suppose um, for anyone in the school to, to see, you know, us going on with an All-Ireland Cup, it's, it's, a, it's not something you see every day and I suppose even the girls there's a couple of first and second year there's a couple of second years starting on the team um, but it, it's lovely to be able to you know show them that um, this is being done on Leitrim and yeah Yeah I, we should clarify Anna that your elder sister is Merrin Devaney who won an Ireland Gaelic football title with St Clair's a few seasons back and I suppose you probably occasionally got or oh, you Merrin Devaney's sister from tonight when she goes training with with Sligo Rovers, they're going to go, oh, are you Anna Devaney's sister? That'll be the way it'll be from now on. <laughs> yeah, um, I suppose I normally get, are you the good footballer? But uh, <laughs> maybe we'll change that one just for this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anthony, what do you think this win does for this group of players, number one, but for the school in general, number two? I think for the school, 
well, it's massive for the school in terms of, I suppose, publicity for the school. Um, you know, for the sporting culture in the school, like there's been a lot of good sporting teams that have come through in the last kind of five, ten years. You, you touched on a few of them already. Two, two of the girls' teams reached two All Ireland finals, two Gaelic All Ireland finals in the last kind of five years. We had a first-year boys team who lost an All-Ireland soccer final actually in that lone town, I think it was eight years ago. We lost it on penalties. We've had a lot of teams competing to a reasonably high standard um, and hopefully what this does is it just drives on, I suppose, the culture in the area, in the local clubs, in the school that I know people say we're elite from school, but that doesn't matter. You know, you're as good, you know, as good as you want to be and I think... The girls yesterday showed it like they showed no fear. They went out. It didn't matter who they were playing. It really, really didn't. It doesn't matter if it's a Limerick team, if it's a Leinster team. It didn't matter. They were going to go out to do do the job, and it, they really, really held their heads high yesterday. And I think that sets a kind of standard for you. Asked like the first years. There's five first years on the panel there yesterday. Well, this is the frightening thing about this school because Amy, you're a TY student. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Lauren, the team captain, you are in fifth year, so you're still in St. Clair's next academic year. Yeah, that's me. And for the other schools listening, of the squad who won yesterday, just, and Anna, you're one of them, just three are leaving their students who potentially are moving on next term. So, theoretically, I know there's no guarantees, you should have a fairly strong team again come next academic season. Yeah, yeah, we should. Uh, funny enough, last night... Your your attention nearly turns straight away. You're enjoying everything, but you're always thinking of the next the next step, the next thing. Um, even there this morning, I was trying to fix an under fifteen game. Even though you're still you know dwelling on the success of last night, you're you're always looking forward. And next year, yeah, we've eight of the starting team, and we've a couple of you know good good subs. We had a good bench there there today. That yeah, you'd hope to be competitive next year. But look, we'll we'll worry about next year when it comes. We'll we'll enjoy what we have right now, and uh, we'll try and you know come back next year. And absolutely, be competitive. And before we finish, guys, I want to give a shout out to some of the other people who helped you on your All Ireland journey. Because in addition to the very talented playing squad that you were part of, lots of people chipped in behind this team, including a group of people I noticed at training last Friday morning on the Astro Manor Hamilton and they were TY students who were looking after your kit. Tell us about them. Uh, well, I'll be involved in that too now sometimes. We we like to go to Mr McDonald and get the keys and maybe try to skip a few classes. Just to oh, get I the see. Oh, there's, a rash, oh, there's, there's method to you your madness. Okay. That, <laughs> Very good. So you looked after the kit for the girls. You made sure that the jerseys and everything were ready for on match day. Yeah, no, we did that and we went up the Super Value as well. We got all the goods for half time and everything. So we were, we were well equipped. Well done. Very good. And I'm sure there were others too, Anthony, behind the scenes. Absolutely. I suppose for me, I'd like to give a big shout out to the TYs. Like when you're involved with a lot of teams in the school, there's a lot of wee things you do in the background that I suppose you, you take for granted. The washing of the jerseys, the sorting of the jerseys, the pumping of the footballs, the putting away the gear, the getting the gear ready. And every year you try and get a few good TYs involved. And this year, no more than last year Lauren was my helper last year she's giving me the eyes here um, it's great to have people like that because it does make your job that wee bit better obviously they get the benefits of the the odd class off we'll not say too many classes but outside of that like it, w- it was a real school uh, community based thing like the school really rode in behind 
you know, the whole team, like the girls got tops um, for the final that they're wearing here now today. Like the staff members put in a lot of work behind the scenes, getting up uh, bunting flags, banners, organising the buses, getting the, the support there, all them wee things. The secretary staff who, you know, organise buses all year for you. It's a huge, huge uh, group that gets involved. Now, it's not just the girls playing or myself. There's so much else that does go on in the back. And, and I suppose for myself, I would like to thank all in the school for it because they really rode in behind the, behind the team. Well, absolutely. And now, Anna Devani, you have the joys of mock exams tomorrow. You plough straight in. The joys of being an All-Ireland soccer winner. Yeah, um, we've uh, maths and Irish tomorrow, but uh, Mr okay. McDonald has told us if they don't go well, we can just say that we're All-Ireland winners as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> I hope that works as an answer on the paper. Is Peg Sayre still on the Irish curriculum? No. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> okay, that shows you how long ago I did it. Well, look, at we. I know you have a lot on your plates and we, we really appreciate you coming in tonight just to share some of your memories of this great All-Ireland final run. You'll keep on playing football, guys, won't you? Yeah, I think so. I think it's no danger. It's spread through us, you know, in Manor Hamilton, where you know. Do you do you, you play Gaelic football as well? Do you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Okay, so you've plenty on your plate for yeah, the time Yeah, I think being. there'll always be a football being kicked somewhere. So, will there be a tour for the cup? Ah, maybe. You know, we'll see. <laughs> Very good. Well, guys, congratulations on your All Ireland final success. Lauren Devaney, the team captain. Amy Malone, Anna Devaney, and head coach uh, Anton McDonald. Well done. Uh, bed early tonight now folks mm. <laughs> thank, you. Thank, thank you very thank much you. thank you welcome back to the final whistle well if we were to change sporting codes and give the St Clair's comprehensive school team you just heard from a Gaelic football and make it 50 to side you can be sure they'd fare pretty well in an LGFA competition many of them talented dual players the popularity of women's Gaelic football in particular the Little National League has been a focus of discussion this week on Northwest Today on this station league sponsor Lidl have had a big campaign aimed at addressing the the quality of poor attendances at games. So why aren't more people going to women's matches? Well, here's former Leitrim footballer Maeve Quinn, who spoke this week to Niall Delaney. I was in Wexford last year, um, sorry, Wicklow. And the yeah. Wicklow game last year, there was quite a bit of trouble actually trying to get it as a double header, but it was got as a double header in Wicklow last year where the Leitrim men were playing and then followed by the Leitrim ladies. Now, there was a very sizable crowd at that game yeah. at the or uh, down in Wicklow. I mean, people who had come from Leitrim to Wicklow had driven from uh, Leitrim to Wicklow, made the time commitment, gone down to support Leitrim and to watch a Leitrim team play football. Unfortunately, <laughs> when the men's game was over, ninety percent of those people left and didn't wait to see the ladies playing football. Why do you think? Why do you think? Why do you, why do you think? Well, you were disappointed, obviously, but why do you think that that was the case? Well, I just think. I mean, it's. I suppose it's recognition. Um, I, you, I mean, anybody, nobody would argue that the time and the effort and the commitment that's given by the ladies is 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 as much as the men. But it's clear that they're not given the same recognition. And I suppose general terms of parity of steam is mentioned and achievement in recognition for those things. And I suppose. For all of us, there's a requirement maybe even to send them, change the mindset of the general public where we, you know, and people who go to games, people who enjoy football games, you expect them uh, that they would support the ladies' yeah. game. And I, what was very disappointing there is that people had made the time, they were there, 
they had made the trip from Leitrim to Wicklow. Yeah. And yet didn't wait, didn't wait to watch the game, didn't wait another hour before even, hitting the road home even though to, it was, to watch the yeah, Leitrim ladies. Even though it was, it was their own county, so you, no matter what came after us. Leitrim ladies have been doing excellently in the last few years. They're so close to breaking out of and and are expected and have been we've been disappointed they haven't moved out of Division Four. But I mean their games are excellent. Um, you're looking at same amount of commitment, um, skill level. Uh, their skills or their commitment is very good, and it is a great. Game. I mean the ladies football game has been improving year on year. So you would, I think, the advertisement shows it clearly. Kind of maybe shocks some of us. And one of the things I suppose when I say the general public. I suppose also it makes ladies clubs, you know, yeah. and I suppose the women themselves as well as the men, because it's not, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I would ask the question of ladies clubs, how many of you are going out uh, to other championship games in your county year on year, and how many of you are going and supporting the, the Leitrim ladies, you know, if yeah. you go to a men's game, surely you would go to a ladies' game as well to support uh, the ladies' county teams. So, so is, it, is, it, yeah, is, is it a work in progress, though? I mean, does, does it take it time? Definitely is. It takes time to promote the game. It takes time to make people aware of it. So, yes. But it is getting... And I think, this, I think this advertisement does that. It really raises the awareness and, and makes people pause to think, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, maybe I, I should be supporting the ladies just as much as I support the men. Former Leitrim footballer Maeve Quinn in conversation this week with Niall Delaney on Ocean FM. We're on 083 3500 530 by text and by WhatsApp. Sligo Hurlers begin their Division 3A Alliance League campaign this Saturday afternoon against Cavan at Markovic Park. Sligo were relegated from Division 2B last season after a playoff. Podrick Mannion has since finished as manager. Carlo native Stephen Shiel has taken his place. Shield spoke to Ocean FM Sport shortly before Sligo team training this evening. Yeah, us and to be fair, we're, we're doing okay. Preparations have gone well. Um, I think we're we're finally, after tying down the, the panel, and we're, we know what we're working with. The lads are putting in a serious effort, to be fair. Um, like we went out towards in the Connacht League with, uh, with a panel that we we hadn't really decided on. Uh, we're still without the E3 contingent. Um, and since they've come back, obviously they were with their, the club, um, finished the club campaign. We gave them a couple of weeks off. And once they came back, to be fair, the standard of the training is after improving. And uh, lads are putting in an effort and preparations are going well, to be fair, yeah. I'm sure you're still getting your feet under, under the table and getting to know these lads. What are your own early impressions? Yeah, listen, they're, they're a great bunch of lads. Um, like you said, I'm still I'm still finding my feet, but um, like it's it's up to me to. It's all about respect, I suppose. I respect all of them, and they respect me. And unless something happens between us, then there might be a different story. But so far, so good. Um, like we've we've I think there's six or seven clubs involved, and there's 34 players, and then you have the, the county board and the management team and all to to be. In one room at one time, it's, it's a lot of people, but it's it's good. Um, everyone seems to gel. Everyone is is happy, and uh, everyone is content. So it's good so far, anyway. I know you you won't be sure where the lie of the land is in Division Three A, but I suppose in theory, would you feel that if your team click and are in form and you have everybody you want at your disposal, that you can be contenders in this league? 
that's the aim, Austin. That's the aim. Um, but I suppose on paper, it's on paper. If you look at the, the division, um, Cavan are in the Larry Mar, we're in the Crystal Ring, and everyone else is in the Nicky Rackers. So on paper, I suppose we would be favourites to come out. But that's on paper. We're watch across the white line. It's a different story. So it's what happens on the on the grass. That's the it's a results based thing. So um, you don't know until the day, but. That's the plan. It's the league was our first priority, in the, and to uh, improve and uh, get promoted up into up into Division Two. So that's aim one. Um, obviously, Saturday is going to be the first hurdle, um, first competitive um, league game for myself as well. So it'll be good to get a win, um, get two points on the board, and uh, we could drive on from there. There may be some people listening to this interview, Stephen, who may not be hugely familiar with. Your name. What should we know about Stephen Shield hurling wise? Yeah, so I suppose I'm originally from Carlow. Um, I would have played Sloban County with Carlow for um, a long number of years, um, maybe too long. But um, yeah, so it's it's in the blood. The hurling is is in the blood. I my, my dad played hurling with Carlow. My two brothers and myself did as well. Um, moved up to Westmead. I coached and trained numerous teams in the Midlands here um, with the with the um, college in Athlone and uh, Westmead development coach as well so I've, I've I suppose I've done my time as they say and um, but yeah it's, it's, in, it's in like I said it's in the blood and it's a passion it's what I do it's what I love and uh, yeah it's it's I've played every sport I suppose under the sun but I always come back to Harlan so that's where my where my heart is and was inter-county management an ambition of yours? It has been for a number of years, to be honest with you. Um, I've applied for one or two jobs. Um, I was in for the Mayo job last year um, with pretty much the same backroom team that I have, um, or more or less. Um, so it's it's been, I suppose it's been coming a year or two. So, But I'm glad I have I have the Sligo job because, it's, uh, like I said earlier, the, the, uh, the people in at the back the back room like the county boards the staff players everyone seems to be 100% so I can't complain that way That's Sligo hurling manager Stephen Shield and Sligo against Cavan in the Allianz Hurling League Division 3A will be live in full here at Ocean FM this Saturday afternoon throw-in is at 2 o'clock at Markovich Park and it's live on the radio courtesy of Shoot the Crows in Sligo proudly supporting Sligo Hurling We'll also have live updates during that game from Leitrim's Division 3B opener that's in Birmingham against Warwickshire that also throws in at 2 o'clock Donegal Hurlers under Mickey McCann begin Division 2B on Sunday away to Wicklow at half past midday. Well, if you're a rugby fan, all eyes will surely be on France against Ireland this Friday night in the opening match of the Men's Six Nations Championship in Marseille. It's an eight o'clock kickoff tomorrow night. But already this week, we've seen a new plan launched for the sport in County Sligo. The County Sligo Rugby Development Programme is a collaboration between Sligo County Council and Connacht Rugby. And it aims to increase participation rates and reach across the young and not so young across schools, communities and various interest groups. And one of the first elements of the new plan is the appointment of a new Sligo Rugby Development Officer. The man taking on that job is former Sligo player and head coach and Connacht Rugby Development Officer and Connacht Rugby Women's Head Coach, Ross Mannion. He's been talking to Ocean FM Sport about the new Rugby Development Plan. 
quite an ambitious and exciting venture for, for both parties. Uh, over the last number of years, Connacht Rugby has been working with uh, all the various county councils within the province to try and establish um, development officer roles and programmes. Um, so I, the first would have started in Goa City um, and Craig Hansbury's in that role and Sligo have come on board now. So I, I suppose it's trying to get, get the ball into as many kids and adults' hands um, throughout the throughout the county as possible um, and just get the game out there a bit more. Uh, we do have a, a CRDO within Sligo, so Finn Bamber, who plays with the rugby club in Sligo, um, he's already doing some work in schools um, around around the county and we'll be doing national school blitzes, etc. I suppose from my point of view, it's, um, it's getting it out into the masses really in terms of all the different the different backgrounds that we have coming into Sligo now, trying to open the door there in terms of rugby as an avenue for them and as an outlet uh, in relation to, I suppose, the tag rugby side of it, uh, trying to grow the game there with, with the adult population as well. Um, the girls' rugby at underage level has obviously grown very, very fast. Um, and now, I suppose, within Connacht and within the IRFU, there's a, valid, there's a pathway now in place for girls to progress on into provincial rugby or international rugby so we're trying to create more of a I suppose an underage pathway now that will flow into that that adult side of the game um, and also I suppose looking at inclusion rugby as well so we would have in my previous role with Connors during summer camps and different bits and pieces like that we would have involved different groups in terms of kids from mixed with mixed abilities um, so that'll be part of my role as well when I was trying to get some an inclusion section up and running within the club, hopefully. I suppose within Sligo as well, you kind of have a pretty unique um, feature in that Sligo Rugby Club is the only club within the within the county. So I suppose from a lot of my work and Finn's work as well that's ongoing, is, is the hope is that we're, we're building numbers within that club, whereas obviously in, in Galway City, Craig will be, will be servicing three to four different clubs um, within his role. So it's quite a unique thing in terms of for Sligo that we are... Um, we do have only one one rugby club in the in, in the county. Um, so there's a, there's a lot in it from the school side of it to getting participation numbers up the girls game, um, inclusion rugby. So yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and quite excited about the role. One trend we've noticed, Ross, uh, in covering local rugby over the last twelve to eighteen months. I know you say there's just one club in the catchment area, but there does appear to be so much going on rugby-wise. At Hamilton Park alone, if we look at all the underage teams, I think every single boys and girls underage team in Sligo reached either a, a final or a semi-final of their respective league or cup competitions last season. And then you have Sligo Grammar School and Summerhill College you know, well, the grammar have been prominent for some years, and Summerhill increasingly prominent at, at at schools representative level. Is that telling you that there's a something to be tapped into here and develop further? Yeah, and I, I suppose I've done the CRDO role for a number of years in Sligo, and uh, you can always see that uh, the potential and scope to to grow and build the game in terms of numbers. Um, and grow within different, you know, different schools that might necessarily have played the game before or or driven the game as much. Um, the scope is definitely there to, to push on and build on the success that the club are, are having over the last sort of five, six, to, I suppose over the last ten years, really. Um, and as you said, like it's it's great that we have 
age grades, teams that were in the club at every age level and both in the male and female game. Um, they're both there in terms of the girls' game and the and the, the boys' game. So from every age right up to senior, there's a team there. So any any kid or adults can get out there and there's a team there for them already, you know, that they can jump into. Um, and, you know, I suppose you just have to look at the success over the last, I suppose, in, in terms of, you know, success can be different things for people in terms of winning, winning competitions, etc. But when you look at the amount of... Um, the amount of kids that have come through, particularly Sligo Grammar School and Summerhill over the last number of years that have gone on to to achieve success, be it at an Irish under age level, um, and some of them have pushed on to become professional players. And then obviously the bulk of, the, of, of people hang on and stay with Sligo and they're, they're pushing on at the minute in the AIL side of it. Um, they're there, thereabouts now for, uh, for a playoff place in relation to promotion again and going up. So I think there's huge scope there. It's just it's, it's having, I think, continuity um, in terms of getting it out there the whole time and just being consistent with it um, and not letting it drop off. Um, and just having an outlet for the likes of your set of tractors and Grange, getting out all, into all the sort of the four corners of the, of the county and getting rugby out into it um, and trying to just... I suppose get that ball into the hand of, of a kid that might never never that had the opportunity before. Um because you know the door is, is there in terms of being open for them to, to push on and succeed and just get out and enjoy it and, and you know rugby can't be just that outlet for someone. Um, you know, sports great for that in terms of from the physical side of it, the mental side of it. Um getting out and having an outlet. Um so yeah, no, I think there's huge there's huge scope with it for it to grow and for the game itself to grow. What other priorities are there with this development programme, Ross? I mean, I, I know Sligo's always been keen to develop their rugby relationship with the ATU Sligo. Does that age bracket come into this programme? Um, it's not in it as, as, as such, you know. Um, I think the club have worked quite hard over the last couple of years to to build a better link there. Um, and particularly over the last two or three years, I know that link is getting stronger in terms of... Um, Jake Sexton, Kyle Goddard, and, and I know Finn Bamber now, they're, they've all done some coaching in there, are working away with the men's and, and women's side of it in there. Um, they've also, I suppose, established some anniversaries uh, in relation to people coming there and opportunities like that, um, no more than every other sport within the, within the ATU. Uh, Connacht, as a whole, have a strong link with, it, with ATU um, through the Galway side of it. So, I suppose in one hand, I think in the future there probably will be more of a, a connect. But at the moment, in terms of my own remit, it's not a it's not a definite. But I know the club are are working quite hard to to build that link with ATU, and you know it's an obvious platform for the club in relation to people from all different parts of Ireland coming to ATU. And obviously the profile now being raised to university status, you know, it's fantastic for the town of Sligo itself. Um, and I th- again, I think it'll only increase uh, the playing numbers that are coming into uh, into Sligo and hopefully going out to the club as well long term. Well, it's a timely week to launch a development plan for rugby, Ross, given that the Six Nations Championship kind of pulls in people's attention to rugby at this time of the year. It's kind of a natural thing to do in in early February. And in terms of what success might look uh, look like for you and the people involved in this development programme, it's not necessarily 
how many trophies appear on the Sligo table in the coming years. It's about participation and people who have a pathway to play and develop in the game. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, for me, it was a chance, a chance um, occurrence in relation to bumping into someone from Sligo Rugby Club when I was a young fella watching the, the 1995 Rugby World Cup and saying, just why don't you go out and try it? And, you know, rugby became became my outlet and, and it became then I suppose my profession in relation to working the last number of years and coaching with, with Connacht Rugby and with Sligo Rugby Club. Um, I think, that, you know, you make so many, um, obviously, friendships. Um, you make so many, you know, links within it. And obviously, you know, within my own personal life over the last two years, with things that have happened, you know, the network of people that I played with, you know, got to know through all the different clubs working with Connacht Rugby. You know, all the, all them, all the, they all came back and supported me in a, in a challenging time, you know, and are still there for me today. So I think that's the huge thing with sport and any sport for, for anyone, you know, be it, a, be it a very young child or be it a, as you get into your adults, to have an outlet um, and to be able to, to just network with different people, etc. It just it opens doors and, a, and it can be a great support for you. So 100%, like it's just, it's trying to give, give the kids and adults alike the opportunity to experience the game and hopefully it becomes their outlet. Um, and if we have some success in relation to kids pushing on to get representative honours, you know, that's a bonus then. That's Ross Mannion, Sligo's new rugby development officer, speaking to Ocean FM Sport. We're going to finish with a tee-up for St Mary's GA Club in Sligo, whose 24-hour fun run and walk in aid of Sligo Cancer Support Centre and Northwest Stop, the Suicide Prevention Group, gets underway tomorrow afternoon from Kent Park and Bally Dugan, uh, from Kent Park and Mitchell Curley Park. Uh, the fundraiser will be a 24-hour non-stop um, walk or run involving 12 different teams. Connor Conway is chairperson of St Mary's GA Club. 24 hour run uh, in aid of two great charities and as well as in aid of St Mary's Club Developments. Two charities this year we've chosen. We've stuck with Psycho Cancer Support Centre who do a lot of work locally uh, with cancer patients throughout, throughout the region. And this year we've chosen Northwest Stop also, uh, who are another great charity who do a lot of work in the area of suicide prevention. So uh, it's great to have them on board and we're looking forward to a great event. This is the third year of this 24-hour run and walk, so clearly it's working for you. Yeah, it's great. I suppose last time we ran it was back in 2022, uh, so it's great to come back again. It's been very successful. Uh, gets the community together. Uh, we had over th- about 300 community members out walking, running, jogging uh, back in 2022, so we're hoping to match that, if not exceed that again. And it includes playing members and non-playing members. Absolutely. Anyone that wants to get involved and raise money for two, for two charities and support the club. And uh, it just brings the community together. It's a great event. Conor Conway, the chairperson of St Mary's GA Club on St Mary's 24-hour fun run and walk, which gets underway this Friday from 4pm. And you can make a donation on the GoFundMe page for the event. You can look it up online. Before we finish, a word of congratulations for Kula Post Primary School Junior Girls Soccer Team, who today won the FAI School's Junior B Connacht title for the second year in a row, beating Dunmore Community School from Galway by 
by five goals to one in Boyle. That's back-to-back provincial titles for Kula and they now progress to an All-Ireland semi-final next Tuesday. A reminder, this programme is available as a podcast each week on oceanfm.ie and wherever you get your pods, look for Ocean FM Sport or the final whistle to find it. We're back next week, same time, same place.